This is Mike Roth. Welcome to the Open Forum in the Villages podcast. In this show, we're going to talk to leaders in the community, leaders of clubs, and interesting folks who live here in the villages to give perspective of what's happening here in the villages and information that I think all villagers should have. We hope to add a new episode most Fridays at 9 o'clock. We are making a change soon. All of our shows will be distributed by a single podcast syndicator, Buzzsprout, both the old shows and the new show. We are also changing our subscription plans. Now you will be a supporter by simply making a subscription, subscribing via Buzzsprout. You can make a contribution of any amount that you'd like. We'd suggest $3 a month. If that's too much for your budget, you can pay less or If you're really enjoying what we're doing and want to see us continue, you can pay more. This is going to be a subscriber-supported podcast. We are making this conversion to make it easier for everybody. And all of the subscriber-only episodes that were available on Apple Podcasts will now be converted to the Buzzsprout channel, and everyone can go ahead and listen to those. This is Mike Roth on Open Forum in the Villages. I'm here today with Carl Baker, and Carl is going to be talking to us about elder care and the law. Thanks for joining us, Carl. Nice to be here. Thank you. Carl Baker retired after 40 years in law enforcement and public safety. He served as both a colonel in New York State Police and the Virginia State Police as a deputy secretary of public safety to Governor George Allen and chief of police for Chesterfield County, Virginia. Where is Chesterfield County? It's in Virginia, right next to Richmond. Next to Richmond. Okay. I spent a lot of time in McLean, Virginia area. He has owned his own public safety consulting firm and was a partner in Decide Smart LLC, a native of New York State. He and his wife now reside in the villages. Carl, when did you move to the villages? 2014. 2014. Okay. And Carl, now I always tell a little joke in the show for my grandson, Evan. Carl, did you hear the joke about the roof? No. Never mind. It'll just go over your head. Okay, Carl, we're going to talk in a serious question. The first, my first question, Carl, is how good are the laws in the state of Florida to protect senior citizens who need help because of things like dementia and Alzheimer's? When I looked up the laws, I was pleased. I think it's one of the best exploitation and abuse laws in the country. For protecting seniors? For protecting seniors, yes. That's good. And what makes them the best here in Florida? One thing they did is not omit the wife. The wife could be charged as well if she exploited her husband. And additionally, they have a section on informed consent to make sure that the ward, if the person is a ward of the state, that he has a say in what's going to happen to him or her. Well, if someone has Alzheimer's and they don't, they barely know who they are, where they are, why they're a ward of the state, how could they possibly have a, a strong say in what happens to them? Well, they will try to, to explain everything to the ward. However, there may be some documents in his past that when he or she was in a better condition left their wishes. Mm-hmm. Things like a, uh, a living will? Living will, a trust, mm-hmm. and if a nuptial, prenuptial agreement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In the state of Florida, I understand that the, the courts can appoint a guardian for the elder individual who's having uh, Alzheimer's or dementia problem. Is that true? That's true. Okay. Does the family have any say in who the 
guardian is? Not really, but you can apply. The family member can apply for guardianship, which I did for my brother. Okay. Can a lawyer be appointed as the guardian? Yes. Can any other lay individual be appointed? Yes, as long as they're certified by the state. And what does that mean exactly? They have to be trained and licensed to be a guardian. Oh, and... Is that an expensive or time-consuming thing to be licensed as? I'm not sure exactly how long it takes, but as a relative, you can be a guardian without going through that training. I see. I see. So any relative, uh, son, daughter, niece, nephew, can be appointed as that guardian? Correct. And does that guardian have to live here in the state of Florida? Yes. Oh. So that kind of limits the field a little bit for the families of us villagers where many of them don't have. It has to be in the presence of the ward. Now, my wife and I both took a course in guardianship and Alzheimer's to get ready for to accept the job as guardian. Mm -hmm. And you were not appointed the guardian for your brother? No. I was not. In fact, I don't even think I was considered. Why would that? Throughout the whole case, the judge ruled it as a family feud rather than an abuse and exploitation. Mm. And that's kind of hard to prove, I guess. Correct. So here in Florida, they have something called elder care coordinator. What what are they? Elder care coordinator comes into, is appointed by the judge, sits down with the parties in the dispute, and acts as an intermediate and tries to mediate and come up with some solutions for the entire case. Okay, and this court-appointed coordinator is paid for by the estate of the person? Is that what happens, or is it paid for by the state? No, it's paid by the, the parties. So, for example, in this case, my brother paid one-third, I paid one-third, and his wife paid one-third. Mm-hmm. And the person who is being cared for by the elder care coordinator, they don't have any say in who is appointed as the elder care no. coordinator? No. The ward can make his request and they say they would consider it, but in this case, it never got, it never was brought up. Mm -hmm. Can someone who's of sound mind select a coordinator before they run into the problem of Alzheimer's or dementia? No. The elder caring coordinator is appointed by the judge, and none of the parties have any input into who's chosen for the job. Mm. So the... Uh, a judge could appoint a lawyer, an accountant, or someone who's licensed in the state of Florida. Right. Choose a licensed social worker. A licensed social worker. Mm -hmm. And uh, round numbers, how much does it cost to have one of these care coordinators? Well, the total cost for us was about $5,000. It's not terribly bad. Uh, in, in, the, in the state of Florida, tell us about the laws that a care coordinator has to obey. Um, there is... There is informed consent, and the coordinator must follow the informed consent standards. However, there's one the judge gets reports from the elder caring coordinator monthly or whatever biweekly, but the parties are not allowed to see the reports. And why is that? I'm not sure. I, I mean, we're paying for it, and I asked for any accomplishments she saw in the last month. And I was told I couldn't see him. I was not privy to them. Is that because of HIPAA laws or, or just the proclivity of the court? I think that's the order by the court. Mm -hmm. So the elder caring coordinator really works for the judge. I see. Okay. What are the specific laws in Florida that have been enacted to protect elders who wind up as wards of the court because or the state because they have Alzheimer's or dementia? Well, the standards are set for informed consent, but additionally, the criminal law is very, very thorough and spells out what exploitation is and what you need, so forth. So, so we have a law in Florida 
to prevent exploit exploitation yes. of the elderly. Could you tell us briefly what's in that law? It goes from any type of any type of taking any money or taking money that's available to the ward away from them and uh, changing his will or trust all is included in the expectation law. And the fact that it includes the wife in Florida means that there's so, no marital agreement that they can do that. So wives and or husbands could in fact be charged under this law? Correct. For malfeasance? Yes, for exploitation. Exploitation. And in a certain, over $100,000 is up to 30 years in jail. Mm. Yeah, well, that doesn't seem to matter much if you only got five years left. Correct. Uh, are there any other laws that protect the elderly? Well, there's a hotline for calling in uh, any abuse for elders, and there's an investigation by family services, child and family services. Are they effective for elders with Alzheimer's, in mm -hmm. your opinion? Are they effective now? Mm -hmm. Did you attempt to use them? I did. And what was your result? Result, first time they did the investigation was unfounded, and he was supposed to go back and live with his wife. Mm -hmm. The second time, they gave it to a new investigator and ended up with criminal referrals to the state attorney for exploitation and abuse. Okay. And the state attorney, explain for our listeners what the state attorney is. State attorney is the prosecutor. Is the prosecutor in the county of, of residence? Right. Okay. And, and he or she will make the final decision whether or not there's a case to prosecute. Correct. Mm -hmm. And if no criminal charges are filed, what does that mean? Then there's no prosecution. It's ended. Okay. And that's solely at the discretion of a single person? Yes, the state attorney. No, no grand, no, independently elected official. No grand jury? No grand jury. No appeal? No appeal. Hmm. And our laws in Florida are the best in the country? The statute is a good statute. Mm -hmm. The application is a lot to be desired. Mm -hmm. How would we, as citizens, go about contacting our elected officials to let them know that we're unhappy about the, the status of enforcement of elder protection laws? I did talk to a couple of state officials about it. And let me just say this, that they did not respond to me. I think they certainly felt bad the way it happened, but they really didn't respond with any answer. Mm -hmm. How many cases of criminal, in your opinion, or, or that you're aware of, happen in, in Florida? I think you had some statistics. 182,846 cases reported to the state for elder abuse. In what period of time? In four or five-year period. And only 14.3% were verified as elder abuse. Okay. Which is very questionably low. The number of arrests and evictions when compared to verified reports seemed quite low as well at 11.3% for arrests and 2.3% for convictions. So the conviction rate for elder abuse is 2.3% over what period of time? Over five years for 182,000 plus cases. Seems remarkably low. It is. To me, that would mean that the enforcement of elder abuse cases is extremely lax, or B, the evidence in those cases is extremely poor. It is. Which and one, lax or poor? Or both. both. And I, I'm quite certain that prosecutors, I know they're busy, but they just take a look at elder abuse cases as not as important as many of their other cases. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How many thousands of dollars uh, have elders lost because their rights have not been protected, you think? I only know of a few cases that people have called me and told me about, and one case was over $2 million. Another case was a little over $1 million. Mm -hmm. So if we took a very low number and said each case is worth 200000 Easily. 
times how many cases were, were 180 thousand plus thousand so that's like eight over 18 million dollars it is it's could be a significant amount of money for people what is the family to do if they discover or believe their their loved one is being financially abused they need to take charge of the situation and the only solution i can see is that the family interject themselves into the relationship find out what's going on and report it to the authorities and that's no guarantee that they'll be punished or they'll even get some of the money back mm-hmm. if the abused elder person is in a state of dementia in some of these memory care units that person is uh, deprived of having a, his own his or her own cell phone how do they contact other family members or the authorities that's why the family has to contact them and stay on top of it. Now, my brother's case, he was—he could be very rational and sometimes, and he would call or actually say, tell me what problems he was having. I found it unfortunate that no one in the police departments ever interviewed my brother, Paul. And he had, his, he had something to say. Mm-hmm. So, in your opinion, would it be... Mi- should it be made mandatory that a police officer speak to every abused person in person? I think it's. I think that's the proper procedure. In fact, in all my police, I never, ever did not talk to the victim. How many years were you involved in policing in total? Forty years. Forty years in policing. And how many times in the cases that you handled did you not talk to the first-hand witnesses, the complainant? None. In forty years. And in cases of elder abuse, the officers are not going out to the victim and finding out whether or not they're they're competent to speak? Well, too often now, police are making phone calls, and I really think you get much more when you're face-to-face with the victim. Mm-hmm. Would it help to have a law that said the police have to go face-to-face with the victim? I would say yes. If we continue down this road the way we're going now, there's no face-to-face interaction with the victim and the police. Mm-hmm. And how about the judge? The, the judge in the case, when they were ruling... A, a person incompetent uh, to become a ward of the state? Did the, the judge themselves talk to the person? They should. They should. What does that mean? I think they should actually bring the, the ward and talk to the person, talk to the ward in private and see what he, he or she feels like and what her ideas are or what she wants, she or he wants. But that's not mandatory. Not mandatory. It is mandatory in the standards. Uh, I'm not sure it's followed. Hmm. So how would we, in, in the state of Florida, contact our elected officials to say that we want better enforcement of these I, elder laws? I, I'm suggesting anybody that ran into a case like I did and that did not get what they would consider a acceptable outcome should be writing their senators or representatives and they even know about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, you, you wrote a book that people can read uh, about your personal case with your brother. Uh, what is the name of that book? Broken Sunshine. Broken Sunshine. A case study of elder abuse and exploitation in Florida. Mm-hmm. Now, is that available on Amazon? Yes, it is. Okay. And if people read the book, what will they learn? It's a long read. And one of the reasons I wrote the book is a case study so they can learn exactly what to expect and have some way of countering it. And it's the basic premise is that if a family interjects themselves and starts working uh, with the ward or with the person with dementia, they can have a much better outcome. Mm-hmm. And if it's an adversarial relationship up between two or three family members. What happens then? Well, that's where What's it gets, supposed to happen. Well, intervention by a caring coordinator, and then the judge will rule on who's going to take care of the work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if someone is not happy with the judge's ruling, what is what is the appeal process? None that I know of. So there's only one judge and one court, and there's no appeal. Probate. I appealed to 
The governor's office had never received a reply. Mm-hmm. Is that Florida statute or just policy? I'm not sure. I don't think it's in the statute. Mm-hmm. In America, I thought most cases you could appeal to a higher court authority if you didn't like the the outcome of the uh, first uh, trial. The state attorney is a uh, independent elected official, so they would never respond to my appeal. Mm-hmm. And could someone take it to the Florida Supreme Court? I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Well, there are some questions here. What is the future hold for you on, uh, on your writing, Carl? I'm going to start another book probably in another couple months, but this was a long process. So I'm just taking a break right now. Yeah, a lot of documentation in the book. Carl, if someone wants dealing with a, a senior in, in their family who has Alzheimer's or dementia and wants to uh, ask you a couple of questions, how would they do that? They could email me at crbaker501 at CenturyLink.com. Great. Carl, anything else you want to add? No. The only thing I want to say is that the family is the key to keep your relatives safe. Mm -hmm. And if the family is out of state, the status? Very difficult. Someone needs to move down and stay with that person. Mm -hmm. Or they have to move that person to their home state? Correct. And if they move them from, say, Florida to New Jersey, the laws of New Jersey would be applicable? Correct. Another complicating factor. Mm -hmm. Well, Carl, thanks for being with us today. I appreciate it. And again, if anyone has questions, they can reach out to you at your email address is crbaker501 at centurylink.net. Thanks a lot, Carl. Thank you. We are making a change soon. All of our shows will be distributed by a single podcast syndicator, Buzzsprout, both the old shows and the new show. We are also changing our subscription plans. Now you will be a supporter by simply making a subscription, subscribing via Buzzsprout. You can make a contribution of any amount that you'd like. We'd suggest $3 a month. If that's too much for your budget, you can pay less. Or if you're really enjoying what we're doing and want to see us continue, you can pay more. This is going to be a subscriber-supported podcast. We are making this conversion to make it easier for everybody. And all of the subscriber-only episodes that were available on Apple Podcasts will now be converted to the Buzzsprout channel, and everyone can go ahead and listen to those. This is a call out and thank you to my supporters, to Alvin Stengel and Ed Williams and Dr. Craig Curtis at K2 The Villages. We'll be hearing more from K2 later in future episodes as they are now a major supporter. Remember, our next episode will air live Friday at 9 a.m. That's when it will be released on our regular subscriptions. Should you want to become a sponsor of the show, contact me at MikeRoth at RothVoice.com. If you know someone that you think should be on the show, send me an email at Mike at RothVoice.com. I want to thank everyone for listening to the show. The content of the show is copyright by RothVoice 2023. All rights reserved.